Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. You have probably heard um, some of those, you know you're having a bad day if jokes, right? I I came across some here just lately. Uh, You know you're having a bad day when your twin sister forgets your birthday. You know you're having a bad day when everyone's laughing but you. I like this one. You you know you're having a bad day when your four-year-old tells you that it's almost impossible to flush a grapefruit down the toilet. I hope no four-year-olds get any ideas here today. Um, You know you're having a bad day when you call home and tell your spouse that you'd like to eat out tonight. And when you get home, you find a sandwich on the front porch. (laughs) And you know you're having a bad day when the uh, wanted poster at the post office has a picture of you on it. Well, it seems to me that the writer of the psalm that we're going to be looking at today is having more than just a bad day or even a bad week, or as some of us might tend to look on 2020 as a bad year. The writer of Psalm 88 was having a rough life. And Kidner, in his commentary on this psalm, says, there is no sadder prayer in all of the 150 psalms. And I'd say it's probably the most depressing of all of the psalms. And now you're thinking, well, that's just what I was hoping for, huh? A depressing message at church. You might have stayed home if you knew that's what you're going to get today. And maybe there's some that are at home right now and and, uh, watching, and and maybe you're too depressed to even come to church these days. Well, before you shut off your computer or you go looking for a Joel Olstein YouTube video to cheer you up, let me just say there there is hope for you, even in this text today. And and there and, and listen for that. So if you would, I uh, invite you to look in, in your uh, outline there in your Bible. Um, Psalm 88 we'll be looking at today. And would you stand in reverence to God's word as we read? <clears throat> o Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and in night, in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul has had enough troubles, and my life has drawn near to Sheol. And I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I have become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. They are cut off from your hand, and you have put me in the lowest pit, in dark places in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me. You have afflicted me with all of your waves, You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. My eye has wasted away because of affliction. I have called upon you every day, O Lord. I have spread out my hands to you. Will you perform wonders for the dead? Will the departed spirits rise and praise you? Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will your wonders be made known in the darkness and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, have cried out to you for help. 
and in the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on. I suffer your terrors and am overcome. Your burning anger has passed over me and your terrors have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me altogether. And you have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, as we look into this psalm and we think of the psalmist here who pours out his heart, he, he's struggling and feeling hopeless in many respects. And yet he's calling out to you for help. And he's looking to you. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to each of our hearts. Uh, you know the situations in our lives today and the, the, that of those around us. And the times we get discouraged and overwhelmed. Uh, Lord, as we identify with the psalmist in some respects, uh, may we also then find refuge still in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So what are this psalmist's troubles? What is his perspective on them? And what do others think about those troubles? And what does God have to do with his troubles? Those are some of the questions I think we can find answers for in this text. First of all, we'll be looking at his troubles and then praying in those troubles. As you think about his troubles, what is he thinking about them? He says, I've had enough troubles. How about you? Have you ever felt like that? I've had enough troubles. I grew up on a farm and I've uh, hung around some of you guys and I know that farmers must feel that at times. When the grain prices are poor and the weather is prohibitive to get the crops off and, and then when you're finally combining corn in the spring and your equipment breaks down. And so you, it goes to the shop for repairs, and, and uh, the right part isn't available. And so there you are, waiting a couple days while you could be out there, and then the rain starts, and it keeps on going for days. And then when it finally stops, and you try to get out there to get that corn off at last, and it's muddy, and your equipment's getting stuck. I've had enough troubles. Probably most of us have felt that way at some time. And this COVID-19 business has many of us feeling that way. It's complicated things for all of us. It's made us mad at times as we have had to give up some freedoms that we've enjoyed all of our lives. Some of our jobs have gotten way more complicated because of it. And just when it seemed like things were starting to get kind of back to normal, then concern arose again about the virus spreading. And so many businesses started requiring wearing masks. And then our Minnesota governor mandated it in public places. You know, honestly, I was looking forward to, later this month, escaping to Wisconsin for a while uh, to go to the annual conference at the Ark. And yesterday, I was told the Wisconsin governor also mandated masks there. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. But there are far worse troubles than a mask mandate. Some of you have lost your jobs or are unable to find employment. Some are reluctantly looking ahead at this school year and expecting they're going to have to be doing it online again. 
Some are encountering serious health issues and, and not able to get to the doctor like you would like or when you should. And there are some that have had death in the family during this. And maybe you weren't allowed to even to see your loved one in those last hours. Or you weren't allowed to grieve really normally. Well, the psalmist is crying out to God here and he's saying, Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul has had enough troubles. Just what are his troubles? It doesn't really tell us here the specifics of it, but rather what we do see here is what the author is feeling in the midst of those troubles. And he's saying, I am afflicted. And three times in this psalm he uses that word afflicted. What does that word mean? It means grievously affected or troubled by something, distressed with mental or bodily pain. It might be that the psalmist has a terminal illness. Some of the wording here seems to definitely fit that well. He talks about being without strength and being near death. And now whether that is literal or that is a feeling, it's not clear. But it's possible he's struggling with something mentally or perhaps afflicted both physically and mentally. And you know, mental struggles can be really agonizing. And they can become all-consuming in our lives. And for me, this pandemic has been that at times. It's had me waking up in the middle of the night with related concerns. It's had me ranting at my or I should say ranting to my family at times, and, and, you know, some of them are pretty good at ranting about it too. I've been concerned for folks uh, like my mom or other elderly, like here in this parish, that, that are extra vulnerable to uh, COVID-19 and other viruses, and, and so my mental distress has been wrapped up in how do we continue to do worship services and all of this, and, and, and how do we still then shepherd the flock in these conditions? And what steps should be taken then to attempt to protect people? And what steps should not be taken because they seem more drastic than really necessary? But there's more to it. There's more to the mental distress than just those physical concerns. It seems to me that there's something kind of sinister about what's going on in our country in the midst of this pandemic. In a visit with a pastor friend of mine just on Friday, he described it this way. He said, I don't even recognize my country anymore. You see, so much has changed for him and I in the 30 years since we graduated from seminary. A lot's changed in the last five years and even in the last four months. And my internal struggle then with the various statewide mandates, in particular with requiring masks, it, excuse me, it's kind of hard to explain. And yet I'm going to try to do so today um, because I know many of you feel it too. I attempted to explain part of it even last week, uh, describing those three realms in which God has set up systems of authority, the state, the church, and the home. And God has appointed authorities in each who then consider advice that comes at them from the other realms, uh, but then have the responsibility to make decisions for the sake of the people in the realm that they're responsible for. And as I shared with the deacons this last week, 
My struggle is this. I think summed up in this. I find no relief for my conscience if I am bound by the governor's 15 pages of mandates and 13 pages of recommendations for houses of worship. They're too complicated and too far-reaching. And so I can never fully, really comply or lead others to completely comply. And in addition, I don't believe some of the spin that is put on much of the data. And I'm convinced that there are other scientific perspectives that are sometimes being ignored or even squelched. And I don't want to acquiesce with what I believe at times to be lies. And I don't want to be a part of continuing to perpetuate unnecessary fears. But I also don't want to be belittling people's genuine concerns or leading vulnerable people to take this too lightly. So where does that leave us as a congregation? We have the governor's mandate posted on the door, and we don't intend to try to enforce it. And it has to be up to individual consciences and how to respond to it. And I hope and pray that that sign on the door does not keep some people from coming in the door to hear the hope that is found in God and his word alone. And if there are people that then come inside and see most not wearing masks, I hope and pray that that's not scaring some others off. As we wrestled this through at a deacon's meeting this last week here, something I think became a little clearer. The general wisdom behind all of this is taking additional precautions, such as wearing a mask, when in enclosed spaces and unable to social distance. And as our pastors and deacons met this last week then, and as others also met preparing for vacation Bible school this week, we came to some conclusions. We came to the conclusion that one thing that we can do is move some of our activities outside. And so some of that's being done. And another thing we can do is to keep spacing people apart with the tape here and the table spread and, and some of those things, um, whether they're in the sanctuary or other parts of our church, so that we're not unnecessarily breathing in each other's faces. And beyond that, I believe we have to put responsibility back on the individuals. And, and if they're physically vulnerable, then they should take extra precautions themselves. And as far as this wearing of masks goes, then, then when we're not spread out like this here, right now, then, then don't judge each other based on what you see. There may be some people wearing a mask who don't really believe they're helping much at all, and who think the mandate is a governmental overreach, but who are willing still to put them on, because they've been asked to by our leadership as they serve in some capacity here. And there's going to be several of those even this week at VBS. And there may be some that will not be wearing a mask because their conscience just doesn't give them freedom to comply. And others might not be wearing them because they have difficulties breathing if they do. Or others might not be wearing them because they just don't want to look stupid. There might be plenty of other reasons as well. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. You just sort out what you yourself should do each week. And enough said on that issue. Back in this psalm, 
the, the psalmist is feeling that he has had enough troubles. He, he's feeling afflicted, probably both physically and mentally, and he is feeling just so alone. Verse 5 says he, he's feeling forsaken. In verse 8, removed from his acquaintances and, and an object of loathing to them. Not only is he feeling isolated like many are feeling during this pandemic days, but, but he's feeling loathed by those who used to be his friends. What are others thinking of as they look on his troubles? He, he's saying they consider me as good as dead. Verse 3, for my soul has had enough troubles and my life has drawn near to Sheol. Now, what's, where is Sheol? Sheol means simply the place of the dead. And, and so that's the grave for the body. And it also refers to the place in of, of limbo for the soul while it's waiting the day of judgment. And the psalmist says, and others look on his pitiful condition, and they think of him as being ready to be put in the grave. Verse 4, I'm reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I've become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remembered more, and they are cut off from your hand. As I look at those verses here, 4 and 5, I see it reveals to us what the psalmist believes happens at death. And that is that once a person's body goes to the grave, then the days of God's grace and mercy for that person are over. And they are cut off from the help of God to save them. They're cut off both physically here in this life from that help that God can give and off spiritually in eternity. And I find it interesting also the psalmist's perspective, though, in all of that. As, as we look at what, what God has to do with his troubles here, He's saying essentially that God has put me there in this situation and he keeps me there. Look at verse 6. He's praying this now and he's saying, you have put me in the lowest pit in dark places in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me and you have afflicted me with all of your waves. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. You see, if we believe in a sovereign God, then whatever situation we're in, he is sovereign over that situation. And he allows, and, and, and he even brings on us then trials for our testing, and at times brings on us consequences for our sins. And, and, and Christians are not exempt from troubles. We, we have lots of them, and God uses them in our lives. And he uses them, including even then COVID-19, to help to make us ready for eternity and, and to make us even long for heaven. Because while we're here on this earth, there are going to be times for us, as for this psalmist, when it seems like everything is black. And what makes this psalm so dismal is that it doesn't end with a, an upbeat, positive note of trust in God like many of the other psalms do. And yet I do see hope throughout this psalm. What's the psalmist doing in the midst of his troubles? He's praying. And in order to even pray, one has to believe that there is a God who can help us. And it seems to me that that's one of the things that's missing these days as our country is facing this major crisis, 
There, there's a lack of call for prayer. Do you remember back when 911 hit and the Twin Towers in New York City fell when those hijackers flew airplanes right into them? How the whole world was stunned at the devastation and, and, and the media in our land was often saying things like, our prayers are with those families of the victims. And we had our, many of our national leaders across party lines praying together for wisdom. I don't see that happening these days. Instead of looking to God, most are looking to government and to science experts to solve this. And the result is confusion and chaos and finger pointing. Well, the psalmist in his great affliction and his troubles is still praying. And who's he praying to? Verse 1 says, to the God of my salvation. The one that created the universe and put it all in place and who created mankind to rule over the world and who then, when mankind sinned and rebelled against their creator in love, this almighty God sent his son to redeem the world. The psalmist prays to the God of my salvation. And, and, and you see, in many cases, he, God, is the only one that can save us from this coronavirus and a hundred other maladies during our earthly lives. And ultimately, he's the only one who can save us from the judgment that we all deserve in hell. And for the Christian then, when, when uncertain of anything else, still we can be certain of our salvation in Jesus Christ. Even if we don't see God answering our prayers for help in the way that we were hoping for, we can be sure, we can be sure of eternal salvation because God's word declares that whosoever believes in his Son has eternal life. And as we glance back at this psalm, it's interesting then what this sad prayer contains. Do you, do you see it there? There's complaining. There, there's reasoning and questioning God, but he's still praying. The psalmist cries out to God in his affliction, saying he's had enough troubles. He, he reasons with God, saying, I, I can't praise you if I'm dead. I, I can't tell others of your loving kindness and faithfulness if I'm in the grave, so won't you answer my prayer and save me from my affliction so I can serve you a little longer? And he questions God, asking, well, have you hid your face from me? Why are you not answering my prayer? And yet, as we look here, we see, well, the psalmist is praying. When is he praying? Verse 1 tells us it's by day and in the night. It, in the daytime, he's calling out to God, and in the middle of those sleepless nights, he, he's praying for God's help. Verse 9 reminds us that he's doing this every day. He's not quitting due to feeling forsaken. He still knows that his only hope is in God, the God of his salvation, and so he keeps praying every day. And verse 13 reminds us he does it in the morning. But I, O Lord, have cried out to you for help. That's past tense. I've done that in the past. I've cried out for help. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. That's present and future or ongoing. I'm praying in the morning, and I will continue to do that. I want to encourage you today. If you're one who's feeling, I've had enough troubles, feeling afflicted, feeling so alone in what you're dealing with, Remember, you're not alone. And God invites you to come to him in prayer. 
Keep looking to the God of your salvation. Keep praying. Remember, God's word invites us to pray and tells us the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. As we end our service today, we're going to be having opportunity to partake of communion. And um, you'll be coming up and going back to your pew, and then we'll open it together again as we have just lately. Um, but while you're spending time there in the pew waiting for your turn and, and after, uh, I encourage you to just have some time for silent prayer there as well, to talk to God about your troubles, whatever they are. And also want to just mention, after the service today, the altar will be open for prayer. If, if there's somebody who would like somebody else to pray with them, I, I will stay up front here and, and be available to pray with you. Um, just invite you to come with your troubles to the God who hears and keep coming to him and he will help. Let us pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your word today and even this, uh, this sad psalm, a very discouraged man who still knows that you are the God of his salvation and keeps coming to you in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us all to do that. You know the many challenges we face in our lives, but we pray that even today, Lord, you would draw each one of us, and those listening at home, online too, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself, you would encourage them that you hear their prayer, and that you will help. You will help in some way. Lord, we just ask your blessing on our time for taking communion as well. Pray that you would remind us of the great love you have for us demonstrated in Jesus when he went to the cross, that we could have him as our substitute sin bearer, that we could know our sins are forgiven and things are right with you in this mixed up world. And we could know that ultimately you have promised in Jesus eternal life in heaven with you someday.